When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Macca's, now available with rich chocolate soft serve. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV, captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. This is Sports Day. And it's a very good evening and welcome along to Sports Day. Kane Corns with you for what will be a jam-packed couple of hours. Jared Waitley is going to join us after a fascinating day one of the third test of the SCG between the Aussies and Pakistan. Live scores as we speak. Pakistan got themselves to 313, would you believe? Didn't the tail wag? 223 runs between 6, 7 and 9. The Aussies are in, and David Warner, his last test match, smacks the first one through point for four, the first ball of his inning. So he's off to a flying start in the first over. He's faced four balls, and he's on six. Not out, Jared Waitley, to sum up all of that for us very, very shortly. Oh, it was just so... I mean, it's, it's hard not to commentate live as it's happening, but... Uh, David Warner was just incredibly lucky not to be bowled as he played one back on that just missed the stumps. The Pakistan fielders have all fallen to their knees. They cannot believe what they have just seen. So it was almost a half volley, like a centimetre over the top of both bales. And Warner survives. Um, no Shaheen Afridi, which is a shame. So they've opened with spin Pakistan and... Anyway, we've got a game on our hands because it wasn't looking that way with the way that they started. They won the toss. They elected to bat. Both openers were dismissed for ducks and the Aussie quicks were on fire. Uh, Cummins took another fire for that's his third fire for in a row. So he is on fire. If you've got a thought on any of that and you're tuning in on the SEN app or regionally with us on Sports Day this evening, give us a call 1300 736 736. That's the Harcourt's open line. The Temper Text Machine is 0433981116. And we are here for Kia. Epic has arrived. The all-electric Kia EV9, if you don't mind. And for Maccas, the Chicken Big Mac is back at Maccas. And as I said, for all things real estate, that is our Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736. Also coming up, we'll speak some tennis with BP as we get towards um, the summer of tennis really kicking off with the leading tournaments to the Australian Open happening as we speak. So BP will give us the latest on that. And touched on last night just how good the NBL is going. Felix Van Hoff is the expert from ESPN. He's going to join us as the day's play has closed out. The Aussies survive none for six. Warner going at a runner ball. The Aussies chasing down 313. To tell us all about it is the captain of the SEN commentary team. He's had a big day. It was jam-packed. There was twists. There was turns. There was action everywhere. Jared Waitley's his name. Jared, good to chat. Happy New Year, and thanks for your time. Kane, happy New Year to you. you. You can't get this sort of action that we've had today in any form other than test cricket, so I hope she's not dead or dying. Yeah, well, I, I want to get your thoughts on that surely, and I want to, I want to explore it a little bit uh, with you. But let, let's let's wrap up the day's play. I, I guess it's a par score, is it, in the end? Uh, it's below par, is my okay. gut feeling, is win the toss and bat on a sunny day at the SCT. Uh, 
something in the mid-300s minimum, I think. I suspect par's probably about 400. But from where Pakistan got themselves at 4 for 47 to post-313, they'll feel like they're in the fight as they head to the to the hotel tonight. Is One of the dynamics of touring teams is once they are beaten here, mm. it can tail really badly. And I, that was the risk in the middle of the day is that Pakistan might get routed post something in the low 200s and Australia goes big and then this is over in three days. So first, Mohammed Rizwan, who's such a goer. He's everything you want in a modern keeper. He makes 88. And then a remarkable phase of play after T where Amir Jamal, who really is just a squad backup member, he gets his chance through injuries, played some splendid test cricket, but he makes 82 and an 86-run stand for the last wicket was absolutely brilliant and um, a bit unflattering for Australia in the, the tactical battle. So it changed a lot. And then just when you went on, Kane, is Warner had to face that last over. The second-last ball of the day has got through him onto his boot and it looped the bail. It was a breath away from removing the bail, and that would have been just an astounding way to finish the day if Warner had been out. No, it was distracting. I was opening the program, and I saw the Pakistan players all fall to their knees. I thought, something's happened here. Yeah. And there were yeah. centimetres in that not clipping the bales. But I was tuning in for a large portion of the day on SEN, and I heard you and Simon speak about that potential capitulation from the visiting team when there's there's nothing to play for. So I was really pleasantly surprised how they were able to fight and turn it around. And uh, later on in the day, Ian Smith was quite critical of, of the Aussie tactics and hard not to be. Um, why didn't we just have a crack, Jared? Like, we got the best bowling attack in the world. It seemed short. It seemed defensive and played into the Pakistan tail's hands. It's so interesting. So after T, that, that was the plan that was enacted. And right at the start, you're going, is this, is this really the way? But it picks up three cheap wickets. Mm. Uh, Salman holes out uh, to Head and Hassan holes out to Stark. And uh, Sajid was the first to go in, in that sequence. So you're going, oh, this is going to work um, at nine for 2.27. And then Australia stayed with it for too long. So Jamal played really well. He was able to farm the strike. And after being unsettled initially, he found his method in defying Australia. And so it just went for too long. Um, and I, I feel like it's once you hand ascendancy up, and that's what the tactic did, keep in mind there were three catches dropped in that partnership, so I think that's worth referencing as well. Um, then they handed ascendancy to Jamal, who really got the threat of it. And, and Kat mentioned this. They basically gave him a net session to tune his game to any portion of the ground that he liked, and he wasn't taking the runs. And then he started to lash out, and he, he was particularly harsh on Lyon as he, as he hammered sixes and fours, sometimes off consecutive deliveries. So um, it, was, it was really odd. And it's one of those ones, you'd, you'd, I guess, hopefully in the post-match with, with um, Cummins taking five, because you'd probably do the press conferences, to mm. just why they went with that and why they stuck with it for so long. And the, the cost of it, I think it's... Uh, I, anyway, there are partnerships that you have to go back to the mid-80s to find against Australia at this ground for the 10th the wicket to find a precedent for it. Mm. Yeah, well, 6, 7 and 9 made 223 between them in a total of 313. So that, that says it all, yeah, really. Yeah. We probably should have had them dismissed for, for under 200. I, I had a chuckle at your by-play with, with Pete Lawler about the weather and... You weren't optimistic at one stage. I think you were checking the radar and the, the rain was coming in. Have you got your head around what the next four days looks like? 
Uh, it should be okay. If the, the Sydney's forecast is hard to reconcile sometimes <laughs> with what happens, but uh, yeah, a week ago it, it looked like a pretty ordinary forecast, but it has progressively cleared up. Tomorrow was the risk of rain, but even that has been reduced. Um, and it was like it was the most beautiful summer's day in Sydney. It was, it's half tongue-in-cheek, but then it's half we lose so much of the test match to rain. It, it's a yeah. city that boasts about its its picture-perfect weather and its postcard <laughs> scenery. Is So often it ruins their test match. Um, so it was great to get the full day. The radar had some horrible stuff, but it never reached the ground. So it, it's, it's a great novelty to get a clear day's play in Sydney. And hopefully we get a full test because, as I said, there is some by-play in it. But it's ruining test matches here. Yeah, the yeah. draw is, um, it's an anachronism sometimes in modern test cricket, but they're draws here because we lose so much to the weather. You'd love to see, I, I felt like Melbourne's test, the heightened event that is Boxing Day, got, got the match that it deserves. I would love mm. Sydney to get the match that it deserves because the patrons come, there are no questions here around. They, they get dead rubbers nearly every year, uh, but they turn up. It's a real event. It's now built around the, the McGrath Foundation, which is great. So, yeah, mm. I mainly hope that we all get a full game and that they get a game worthy of the occasion. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying you've been a really strong supporter of Pat Cummins from the moment, really, he was announced as our test captain. Has he even surprised you as how well he's grown into the role and uh, how he's, I, I guess, using himself and when to bring himself on and his bowling changes and his calm demeanour as an Aussie skipper. They're, they're now talking about him as an all-time great skipper. It seems a little bit premature to me, but uh, are you surprised at how well he's developing? Uh, I think this is the great hope. Is He's such an intelligent man and he's such a great cricketer. He just hadn't done much captaincy before, so it was going to take him a little while to figure out the rhythms of it and the choices that he would make at various stages and how he would enact information. So... The, the last the last year was such a big time for him as captain, and it comes with great trials. Is he he has to leave the Indian tour through the the family bereavement with his mum passing away, and then the Ashes is not a straightforward series for any captain ever. Mm, I think mm. in the way that that cricket is played, and he has moments where he he gets lost, and and he's acknowledged that, and then he has this extraordinary time at the World Cup through the semi-final and the final where he makes some of the bravest and best decisions we've ever seen from an Australian captain. And then I, I do, I think he's figured out how to use himself. And he, he, I think part of that is his, his evolution. He, he is the strike bowler of the team. He's long been the number one ranked bowler in the world. It's not a mantle he holds at the moment, but mm. uh, he, he senses the, the moment of impact. As when it's just going along he realises that that's his time to bring himself on and then he's delivered against it. So there's nothing like, yeah, I'll do this. Oh, and by the way, I'll take a wicket in the first over. So you get the reinforcement of it. And I think the team now looks to him going, it's, it's your turn to bowl, Pat. So historically, one of the hardest parts for captains has been to either over-bowl themselves or under-bowl themselves. Mm. And he's hit the absolute sweet spot. And he's bowling, he's just bowling so well. Yeah. It's a historically rare feat to take five in a row and three at uh, five wickets in three consecutive innings so he's just done that um, he, he looks every inch like he's going to strike almost every over and against the best batters in the team he, he just he works Bubba over so well today and Shaquille who we all think is a great player of the future he softened him up and then uh, and then removed him with a nick outside off stump so and then in all of that came, there are going to be a heap of questions around the way he marshaled the troops in the 10th wicket stand mm-hmm. so he's going to 
he's going to wear criticism at the end of today's play and it'll be interesting to hear the explanation. So it, it's part of that captaincy is he's the player of the day and yet I reckon 60% of what he's going to be asked is on the negative side of things is how how he let things get away from this Australian team. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the role of the Aussie skipper. I mean, that, that's... That's par for the course, isn't it? It is one of the most, if not the most, scrutinised jobs in, in Australian sport. And go back to captains from, from yesteryear to Mark Taylor. And I remember his form slump and the questions around him. And Steve Waugh would have had his critics at the time. Ricky Ponting, the same, Michael Clark certainly. It, I guess it's not anything different to what other captains before him have gone through. No, but he'll wear both sides of this. So he's one of the bowlers mm. as well. This is... And this is what I think has been so interesting is having a bowling captain on a few fronts. One, the, the tactics that are employed, the understanding of his fellow bowlers, when to deploy and how they're feeling and even the choices to bowl at various stages with a bat, which a batting captain probably wouldn't make. And then his capacity to shape the game to his own will. But he ends up neck deep in the short bowling as well. And he wasn't taking his wickets initially through the through the short stuff, no. he does after T and, and they go all in on it but can't get that 10th wicket. So he's both, uh, he's not the sole architect, but he, he's the one who enacts the tactic and then he bowls the short stuff and it doesn't work. So, yeah, I, I think that's why the job is so wearing. I think Alan Border has um, sort of spoken as the years have gone on is the job is just so taxing. So to be able to do it at that high level and maintain your game, that's been the great triumph of the early stages of Pat, of Pat Cummins' captaincy. His bowling has actually soared while he's been captain. And then you have to wear these um, these peaks and troughs along the way. And, and you know, today's one of those. Is, it's, yeah. it's a great day, really. He's taken five wickets. Australia uh, lose a, an important toss. They knock the opposition over in a day. And yet there's this aspect to it which is going to sit uncomfortably. Wasn't Nathan Lyon's best day, but um, you guys today on the coverage covered extensively. Just, just how he snuck up on us, like five hundred and six wickets, Jared. Like he's he's under sixty yeah, yeah. away from Glenn McGrath. And when you speak to him, and and he doesn't do a lot of media, but when when you do speak to him, he's not thinking retirement. Like he's hungry. I think the calf injury sort of lit a fuse underneath him and sometimes it it takes that to be a little bit more professional and to, to tick every box when you get to the age that he is. Has anyone in that uh, team of yours done the numbers on, on where you think he could end up and on the all-time wicket-takers list? So the, the first thing, Kane, I reckon the, you know, the, the glow of the summer was when he took his 500th wicket. So there weren't as many people as there should have been in Perth to mark that occasion, but there was no missing the way that the affection that was attached to that all the way around the country. So for all that Lyon has lived through and the progression and evolution of his career, that is such a signature moment and it was there instantly recognisable. And the second part is is there were there were outlandish predictions that, that he could get to 700 to the mark set by Shane Warne. I suspect that's probably a, a, mm. a little bit, um, a bit rose-coloured. But is that the modern trend is for, for the athletes who have lived their whole careers in high performance, there, there's a longevity aspect, which we're seeing in every sport. Mm. Now, spin bowling is demanding, but it's not as demanding on the body as the fast bowling. So the spinner should be able to go further. And we always felt that Shane Warne, he pulled up abruptly and probably prematurely. Yep. Um, Lyon, there's no pressure on Lyon to pull up and the, the, the targets are really obviously there, India next summer and 
England the year after and that, that desire for, for England and for India back offshore in the future. So while his body holds up, and, and he has been a picture of that, hasn't he? As he played the 100 consecutive test matches before the calf injury, mm. this probably comes at the right time to make his assessments, is while he is physically fine and mentally dialled in, his skills are actually improving. I remember, I remember talking to Shane Warne a few years back at this test match, and he figured out so much more about spin bowling as the years went on post his retirement. He actually knew even mm. more than he did when he was playing. So if, if Lyon is able to continue on with that, there'll be no pressure to see him out of this team, and there'll, there'll be plenty of tours where Todd Murphy will get to bowl alongside him, and Murphy's a young player who's got time to wait. So... Yeah, I personally don't think he'll get to 700, but um, he's got. I feel like he's got a couple of summers more in him. Yeah, and he hasn't played the white ball cricket that Shane Warne played, and I guess his bowling technique isn't as demanding. Warne had the the shoulder issues because of how much he he ripped the ball. So anyway, wait and see. But regardless, if it finished right now, what a remarkable career he's had. Now I hope you just yeah. didn't consume the the social media breakout, Jared. I, I was on holidays, as you know, <laughs> and I was consuming the dire um, coverage of, of Test cricket. And there's a couple of things behind it. Todd Greenberg was the first one that my radar just went up. And he's, when he said he's not been an alarmist, but he's been a realist that there may only be three uh, really strong Test nations in three years. Then your man, Crash Craddock, he said that uh, Stafford arresting those players is more damaging than match-fixing, chucking, and Rebel Tours put together. And then I'm hearing Moses on Reeks, and then I'm speaking to Damien Fleming, and I'm going... We're in a little bit of trouble because how many 15-year-olds are consuming test cricket like you and I did when we were kids, Jared? It, it, am, am I over the top? How much of it is, is real and, and what needs to be done to make sure that in 10 years' time we are talking like we are today? It's the main conversation facing cricket and every point you raised is right. And the only, it's not that test cricket is dead. It, it, test cricket will diminish. Um, but I do think, so what we will see across the next two summers, this is where I find myself, we will see the premium product and you watch how transfixed we are by it when India is here and then England is here the year after. So that's the premium version of Test cricket. They are the three nations who treasure it, value it, support it, invest in it and prioritise it. We, we have luxuries that other nations don't have. So the, the two things that have happened is Pakistan, um, sorry, South African cricket was going broke. Mm. They came up with this T20 competition that the IPL now funds, and now they have to pay the piper. Is the IPL teams own that competition, and there's no way the Indian money will accept a two test tests a two test series against New Zealand with all the premium players missing the tournament that they have paid for, and they're keeping South Africa afloat. That's different to the West Indies problem. So the two squads are the same. There are seven uncapped players and 15-man squads, and we're going to see it um, graphically on our shores. I, I, I live in fear of these two tests against the yeah. West Indies. Uh, and then South Africa have sent the uncontracted players in a total disrespectful move to test cricket, but that is their reality. So the reality of nations outside of Australia, England, and India is different to the three who will be the bastions of test cricket. So... I feel we will ask ourselves in a couple of summers' time, why would we play Test cricket against anyone other than India and England? 
which is mm. the premier product. It will transfix us, it will engross us, and we will fill grounds around the country. Why would you then play against other nations who don't have the same setup? They talk about the primacy of test cricket, but they don't live anything that, that supports that. So uh, my personal view is that will be the long-term conversation. Mm. And maybe it is that... I know part of what Todd said is we don't want a world where only three nations play test cricket. I think in a decade's time, we'll ask ourselves, why not? So Cummins spoke yesterday about 15 or 20 countries playing test cricket. So that was an idea from a long time ago, and that's never going to happen. Yeah. And I don't think test cricket would actually be well served by that. The people are... The cricket is in rude health, just not test cricket. So I feel like there'll be a time where we'll all get past that. It doesn't matter whether our 15-year-olds are watching test cricket. They watch the BBL every night. Mm. And, you know, they, my son hounds me to take him to the, to the BBL. I'm not sure about yours. But that's where they want to start. And then maybe once they reach our age, they will have they'll found the fine wine that is test cricket Hopefully. as well. So I don't fear for cricket. And I do think I think Test cricket will change enormously over the next decade. And I'm probably on the other side of things. There'll be a lot of people going, "Well, you can't, you can't find Test cricket down just to those nations." I think there's a time where we'll ask ourselves, "Why wouldn't we yeah. find out? Why wouldn't we deliver the premium product every year?" It's fascinating to me because the World Cup was was so interesting to me because of how competitive it was. Like the Netherlands won two games for goodness' sake, Sh- yeah. Sri Lanka and England struggled, but it was like rock up and I didn't know who was definitively going to win and it was so competitive between 10 nations now that's the flow on effect from the the focus on the short format and that translated into the 50 over game I get that but it would be terrific if that was test cricket and you had 10 strong nations like we did in the World Cup but it doesn't seem to be the reality I I think that's cricket's blessing rather than it's curse is I think the multi-formats is great for cricket so it, it may very well find that the, the Olympics, the T20, is, is a boon um, for what might happen in America. And you might end up with T20 competitions that have 20 or 24 or 28 or 32 countries in future. And the World Cup gives you that lovely cross-section. I just don't think you need... I think we'll get to a point you don't need countries that have no prospects of playing great red ball cricket playing red ball cricket. And so that old, I think that will be an old idea. Mm. Uh, and we'll go, let's glory in the cricket that is played in all its different formats and as broad as possible in T20, protect the World Cup as the trophy in world cricket and then have test cricket for the nations who truly can populate it and play it at its absolute best and fill houses in the countries around the world. That, it, I, I feel like before I pass, that's where cricket will be. I hope you're right. It's going to be a great topic for you to cover throughout the, the summer on, on your cricket coverage and also your program when you resume with the, the Waitley program. You've had a huge day. appreciate you wrapping it all up for us this evening. It's lovely to have you back on air, Kane. I've enjoyed clicking through um, where you lit the fires last night. <laughs> I came back with a bang, let me tell you. I was sitting you on a did? few things, yes. Jared uh, Waitley has been all with us. Yes. Yeah, there's a couple of others. Sean Darcy got to mention as well, Bailey Smith and some others. But uh, yeah, I hope I didn't fire all my bullets too early. Jared, we'll speak to you soon. Good on you, Kane. Cheers. That was all thanks to Budget Car and Truck Rental. Get the good stuff with Budget Car and Truck Rental. If you've got a thought on any of that, Jared's thoughts, why would we play against the weaker nations if they're not prioritising it? Let's just have it against England and India, and that will be 
the marquee event when it comes to Red Bull cricket and everything else in and around that is supported by the shorter formats. Uh, get the good stuff with budget car and truck rental. And Jared was also here thanks to APCO. You can skip the queue with APCO and the app. With the APCO app, you can pay for petrol from the comfort of your car or pre-order food and drinks. Just a quick sports update thanks to Tire Power. The hot summer sale is now on. Your local Tire Power hot summer sale. Get four for the price of three on Kumo Tires. Well, we did get some cricket last night. Remember last night we spoke to Liam Pickering about whether there would be cricket or not. We did, and it was the Stars again off the back of a best-on-ground performance from Glenn Maxwell. They've won their fourth in a row, and they are flying throughout the tournament. And that was the uh, Melbourne Derby or Derby, whichever way you say it, last night at the MCG in a rain-shortened game. Maxwell made 32, and he also took one for eight off his three overs. This is Sports Day. There's plenty more coming up. We're going to talk some tennis. We're going to talk some NBL, and hopefully a couple of your calls on the Harcourt's open line. On the other side of this, it's one 736 736 Pakistan made 313 in response. The Aussies, none for six, with David Warner, six not out. 